Blog Talk Radio. All right. All right, yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial. Hey, hey, it's me, Dan Grimshay. Uh, I am joined, as always, by uh, Marky. Say hey, Marky. It's hot. And it's hot. He wants you to know that at home Jeez. if you didn't notice. Uh, we uh, we do not have uh, our good friend Johnny Heck. Nope. He wishes he could be here, but he's got to be traveling, and I'm sure he's thinking of you. He's in an undisclosed location, and my phone's going off. My apologies. He's probably trying to call us right now. <laughs> Screw that guy. <laughs> we got a really big show today. That's right. We have a, an interview with a, with an industry icon. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not afraid to say that. Industry icon. And particularly Saturday morning TV icon. That's right, and it's actually appropriate this time. Yeah. We waste our time talking to Steven Spielberg or something. We talked. To uh, Marty Croft, who um, would be the latter half of Sid and Marty Croft. Uh-huh. Uh, those of you serialites just a wee bit longer in the tooth than ourselves probably know exactly who they are. Uh-huh. Uh, but for you younger serialites, they, uh, they're Land of the Lost. Well, uh, not the Will Ferrell movie. No, but we're going to get to that. Which you probably didn't yeah. see either. You uh, can Google that after you Google Sid and Marty Croft. Yeah, I, I can just take you through a few of these you know, take, take us through. Take us by the hand, Marquis. Starting with the cult classic H.R. Puffin stuff. That was in 1969. The Bugaloos were 1970. Leadsville, 71. Sigmund and the Sea Monster, 73. Land of the Lost, 74. So that was one, two, three, four, five is where you, is when finally you get to the show that I used to watch. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt we should bring that up first because that one did make the uh, our super cut. In our right, intro. right, right, exactly. You know, um, you all know exactly what uh, what part that is. I'm not going to waste your time or insult your intelligence. Of the lost. But Marky volunteered. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> it sticks in my head so like it's so vivid. Yep, and it's yeah. one of those that when we were putting it together, where I was like, oh, it's got to be it's in there. That's one there. of those songs. Remember, I think it was well into reruns by the time. Oh yeah, I was. Well, mm-hmm. I think it was eighty one, eighty two before I saw my first Saturday morning. Uh, uh, I was going to say cartoon, but for, you know, to be accurate, they did live action. Right. And but it wasn't exactly with non-cartoon. Yeah. You know, yeah. hard to say, hard to describe it exactly. And, uh, and a lot you of actually, puppets and stuff, but not yeah. full on Muppets. And you had the opportunity to talk to the man himself about it. Yep. So... Uh, did not sound like he was high on acid at all. I know you would think Very he strange. would. Be. That would. That's the other way to describe the aesthetic. I think uh, I'm not reaching when I say there's a psychedelic component. 
to a lot of their shows. Yeah. Uh, after Land of the Lost, it was Far Out Space Nuts, 2075. The Lost Saucer, 75. Donnie and Marie. So they're doing all this kind of puppets and like some like live action, uh, claymation. Yeah. A well, lot of kids. They're a, a, a couple of brothers. Yeah. From I don't know from Texas or somewhere I'm, I'm actually not sure where they're from but they they got their start uh, as puppeteers mm-hmm. and they had a puppet show I think they're they're Canadian I think they're or Canadian yeah even better yeah uh, so they were uh, but they ended up working at Six Flags they were like the creative director of the amusement park at Six Flags got into television and were handed about a hundred and fifty dollars a show. <laughs> and we're told to make something good. So they were so good at making these big presentations on a shoestring budget. Art is made in the fringes. Ooh. Art is made in the limitations. And what these guys did is amazing. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it's fantastic what they were able they kind to do. They kind of you know, got their own style. It's hard to say other stuff like that on television existed then. I don't think it really exists now. I know. I see. I guess you see... Themes of it in uh, Nickelodeon, yeah, oh, for sure. You yeah. get you know, especially big colors, in their, like big over the top presentations of characters, almost like a pandering to a kid's audience, but still, I don't know. It's uh, kinetic too, very energetic. Mm-hmm. All their shows, they move at a fast clip. Well, n- none of their shows lasted more than a couple of seasons. I'm talking none of them really. You know, yeah. we can we could go through the list again, but it's they like we're talking one or two seasons at the most for any of these shows, and. But they they would all kind of live on, obviously, through the reruns and through the nostalgia and all this other stuff. Um, but they would also live on in their, like, super shows, like in their, their like, review yeah, shows. Yeah, they, like, they would, they, they would know, put on classic yeah. Hollywood success story where they owned all their own content. Mm-hmm. So they could repackage it and resell it right. as much as they needed to. And that's so, quite often what they did. They, there was like the Sid and Marty Superstar Hour. Yeah. Like this, the world of Sid and Marty Croft, where they would just be able to you know, put together. That's exactly what they would call it, the, the world of Sid and Marty Croft. That's how I know it. The preview show, really, they would do the Donny Osmond Presents ABC's Saturday Sneak Peek. Um, and I, was, I actually watched this today. Um, and do you remember... When you were a kid, because th- we didn't have TiVo, we didn't have, uh, maybe you got the TV guide, there was no internet, you had no idea what was coming on the TV. Oh, I'm from a white family, Mark. They gave us a TiVo oh, back in stuff. 1985. <laughs> That's right, you were. <laughs> Rich Westsiders. Um, but look, man, like, do you remember the Saturday morning cartoon primetime preview shows when you were a kid? Oh, hell yeah. They would usually be on like a Thursday or Friday night primetime. Yeah, and it was usually like... Alice DeWitt was like hosting it, or, or yeah, it was a, yeah some or like I mean, a real Hauser. person. Yeah. Oh, actually, I think Neil Patrick Harris. I'm told. I told you pull that out of my butt. <laughs> I feel like maybe towards the end there. It, he, but that that'd be an excellent guess. If he didn't, I'd be surprised. But that's they would get someone. They, a they would real get life some person. like they would get one of their primetime network stars yep. to talk about that network's Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, and so. Sid and Marty Croft would produce those at times. And so they would take you to like, they would put all of their characters like in the audience. So you yeah. would see H and R puff and stuff. You would see Sigmund and the sea monster. 
and then they would do like a little performance and then they would talk about what's on Saturday morning. And I watched yeah. one of them. It today. was set up like a like a somewhere between a vaudeville show yep. and a, like an award show. Yeah, it's like it watching like the weird, Muppets. Yeah, it's like something between the Muppets and the Oscars for kids. Yeah, exactly. And then and then yeah, and they would cut to clips and previews exactly. of the shows that are coming up to get you get you salivating. Yeah, and so all of these characters, they just kind of they would like live on in like other forms. So it it really made you think that H and R Puffin stuff was some like. Uh, um, legendary television program that ran for years. It was barely a season. Yeah. There's like, I think 18 episodes, I think is all that there ever was. I think what you're trying not to say is you almost think they're the Muppets. You almost think they're the Muppets. (laughs) You almost believe that illusion. But, but they, but they have their own place. Like there, there is, there is a firm position for the Sid and Marty Croft characters in our society that still lingers. Yep. Let, let me give you this little, this crazy little example. You've got a crazy example? A crazy Lay it on example. me, Daddy-O. Uh, you remember the Mayor McCheese? Mm, yes. Yeah, so from McDonald's. From McDonald's. Yeah. Well, doesn't he look a, a, an awful lot like H&R Puff and stuff? But yeah, the the round puppet body. With the big mouth, you know, and, you know, and all this stuff. And he's just kind of droopy all around. Sid and Marty Croft actually won a lawsuit... Against the McDonald's people. Woo, all right. For copyrighted infringement. Way to go, Croft Brothers. A million dollars. They got a million dollars because Mayor McCheese looks too much like H&R Puff and stuff. That is about five times the uh, the lifelong budget of H&R Puff and stuff, <laughs> know, too. They made way more off the lawsuit than H&R Puff and stuff ever made. Wow. Yeah. And now H&R Puff and stuff lives on because this character would come into these, like, you know, our TV specials. They would... And it would, you know, it would get toys and all this other stuff. And Sid and Marty Croft would actually make an a amusement park in Atlanta that is now the home of the CNN build the 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 actual CNN building. Oh, really? Yeah. And it, uh, I guess um, the puppet's still there. Well, some of the attractions are because at the time it had the world's longest escalator, and I saw a picture of the CNN kind of. Um, the mausoleum, like the center, you know, the center of it. What do you call it? <laughs> the you mezzanine. Call it? Mezzanine. <laughs> mezzanine. Or the, or, or, or the mausoleum. <laughs> the mausoleum. The CNN crypt. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then you see this big ass escalator just going right up in the middle. So, yeah, it was, uh, they they have this this legacy, you know, that it's just kind of, it's, you see traces of it here and there. And you actually see the actual characters again because, H&R Puff and stuff, there's new episodes of it again, you know, or they're coming out again. Yeah, I th- know, yeah, they're, they're revisiting. I, they Over the years, they've been able to revisit some uh-huh. of their properties because, again, they own it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marty Croft will be the first to tell you, they and Disney are the only two libraries yeah. of content to have never sold out to anyone. Ever, ever, ever. Uh, yeah. So they uh, sometimes with regrettable results like the uh, the Will Ferrell uh, Land, uh, Let, uh, Land of the Land Lost, of the Lost yeah. movie that was uh, I've heard the Crofts in interviews and it sounds like they weren't super happy with it. Why? I don't want to paint this as like a controversy mm-hmm. or something, but they're like, you know, they actually used really expensive CGI. Yeah, that's like that is not the Sid and Marty Croft way. Yeah, but you, you know, gave even these if guys you were a billion dollars, they still would not give you Avatar. Well, if you were to look at one of their other hits, uh, Electra Woman and Dinah Girl, mm-hmm. and that was in 1976, right? Um, which we just watched an episode. It's it's campy. It's yeah. cheesy. Yeah, it uh, is. 
there there is something about it that it's you the could 60s see. Batman with no budget with no it. budget at all. <laughs> but they just redid that in 2016 uh with uh what's her name? Uh oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the actresses. Um, uh, I think uh they were uh the their YouTube personalities. So it's okay for people our age to not remember their names. Uh Grace uh, Grace Helbig. Helbig. Uh, yep, and Shannon Sh- uh Hannah Hart. Hannah Hart. Yeah. Um which I I've seen Grace like on the uh, she's like a, I think she's a stand-up comedian. She's you know she's she's kind of out there. I've I've seen her around, um, but yeah, one of the things that I noticed of the reboot of Electra Woman and Dinah Girl mm-hmm. is that they took this low-budget, campy story, and then they treated it with respect, and they gave it a budget and some funny comedians, good writing. Yeah. With you know, and good costumes and good concept, and it's good. It's a funny, good show, um, which is what it should be. You know, uh, the the land of the lost people. They didn't take it seriously. Well, or, or in the sense, they kind of took it too seriously. I don't know. Like it's, it, it's a big, silly story, and then they had like seriously, like you know, hundred and twenty million dollars of special effects mm-hmm, on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know, what, but I think the Sid and Marty Croft ethos is that you you make it entertaining mm-hmm. and you don't bother spending a lot of money I, on that. I you see just that. make it move you make it colorful and you make it move and if you're spending too much money you can't make it more colorful or make it move any faster yeah i i just i would have wanted this is to me see. trying to yeah. figure out why they didn't like it i kind of pick up maybe that could be the reason I don't know. Well, you know, I don't want to put words in a cross mouth. Me, I, I was just thinking to myself, like, I would like to see a land of the lost with a budget. You know, I'd like to see what the slee stacks would look like. <laughs> I can never say the word slee stacks. Slee stacks. <laughs> uh, I'd like to see what they would look like with, like, proper makeup, you know, or CGI or something like that. Well, you know, like, that's the question. What is proper makeup? I think the Crofts would tell you they were made up exactly right. In the show, I understand. You may that. say it's a crappy costume. We say that's a finished product. Don't mess with it. I would like to see. Let me make this more clear. I would like to see Steven Spielberg do <laughs> Land of the Lost. I'd like to see J.J. Abrams do Land of the Lost. I want to see it done big scale. I want the concept, the story, to go through the filter of a hundred million dollars in the proper, respectable way. Not in the Will Ferrell junk fest that that was probably because I refused to see it. <laughs> but well, but you know, actually, I tried start. I started watching it one of these days. I was like, I just can't do it. It's just a, it's just this is just a Will Ferrell movie, and I just wasn't in the mood. Well, I don't that. think it's even that good. I mean, it just <laughs> it was missing. And I saw it, and it was just it was very confused with what it wanted to be. Yeah. Um, and I, but also, I think the way you're describing what you would like to see, I don't think the cross would like to see that. I don't care what they want. want. (laughs) The good thing is they still own it. (laughs) I I also kind of thought that at the time when they they, lost, I don't know. I think that when they made the land of the lost movie, it was shortly after or within the same spirit of the Brady bunch movie, which was kind of worked. I know because even when they went to Hawaii, I know it did. It still looked like a campy 70s show, but it was widescreen with slightly better definition. That was it. They didn't have special effects for the lava or anything. That's they did it right. I, I really enjoyed those movies. Yeah, they I, knew how I, to I use the source material it, right. But but and 
Yes, because the source material there is ridiculous and kind of boring and stupid. You know, just a couple of families living together, what's the big deal? There's no con- – it's a very low concept. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, that's – I loved what they did because, again, art's done in the fringes. They didn't have much to, to like, go with. Land of the Lost is nuts. You got yeah. this family who are on a raft. They go in this cave, and all of a sudden they're in this ultra dimension with lizard people and dinosaurs. Yeah. That's crazy. And other – People who had a budget on television would probably say, you know, I love the idea about the dinosaurs, but there's no way we can have them. We're not doing them. And the Croft said, you know what? It doesn't have to look that good. So <laughs> they're going to be in every third scene. Yeah, maybe you so. You know, they're like, we're, the, we're not going to, you know, stop ourselves from putting dinosaurs in the show if we want them just because they look like crap. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we're going to put twice as many of them. I know. That was it. That's the impression I got from watching their stuff. Yeah, I just think that, like, nothing nothing limited their imagination. They found yeah. a way to get it on the screen. Like yeah. in all of this stuff, I, I've been watching a lot of Sid, <laughs> a lot of Sid and Marty Croft. You've been Croft. living in the world of yeah. Sid and Marty and, Croft. Huh? You know, I just, it is, well, let, let's just say this is a, a magnificent honor that he's on our program. Yes. Um, and I think we should get to this interview quick because I think we're going to, basically bury everything he says and that's true yeah so why don't we get to this really quick let's come back we'll pick up our conversation right where we left off we'll take you through a couple of of his shows a little bit bring you some of the music that we now have permission for and let's (laughs) let's go ahead uh you know can you turn on the magic interview machine let me let me let me kick the tires start the fires uh (laughs) hey hey magic interview machine i know it's been a while but would you do us the kindness and take us over to uh, mr marty croft please meanwhile hello hi mr croft yes Hi, how you doing? My name is uh, Dan Shea. I am so glad that uh, I have a chance to speak with you. Thank you for taking the call. Okay, good. What? You can call me Marty. Oh, oh, you know what? I will take advantage of that. Thank you, Marty. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, congratulations on the Lifetime Achievement Awards from the Emmys. Uh, I, right. I imagine that's it now. You're done. You're going to retire. You got what you want. Right. I wish. No, <laughs> not really. I always tell people if you stay home for a month you'll be and watch television, you could be dead in a month. <laughs> so I'm not staying home. Well, that's that's that that's pretty admirable. I know right. uh not not only are you not staying home, I know you're coming out to Comic Con this year. You got a big panel, I know, and a big announcement I think that I probably can't get the scoop on, but if you want well, to give me when scoop. I find out what it is, I'll tell you. <laughs> That's good. Well, my father always said, if you're looking for miracles for a big one, you're going to wait a long time. So ten little miracles equal one big one. So that's what I do. So I may have about six for, for the Comic-Con. Oh, all right. Six little miracles. That's that's still nothing to sneeze at. Right. Well, let me ask you, do, have you, uh, do you uh, ever go to Comic-Con? Um, I don't know. Let me tell you, we were, we were at the first one. So we go all every year, and we have a panel. But the first one, I think they had a thousand people. Now they had about three million. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, have you ever been there? I've been. Yes, I've actually been a number of times. Um, first, not when it was only a thousand people. I've heard stories about that. 
but I do remember when it was much smaller, about 15 years ago, and now it's, uh, oof, it's just going to break. Out of control. It is. It, it, it's a big thing, and it's so much fun to go to as a fan, and I say that as someone who I cannot stand crowds, but it is more than worth it to me, just because I think the event, it still has enough of that spirit, that flavor, you know? Right. Well, it has crowds. I think it takes 20 minutes to walk across the street. Oh, oh yeah. That's only if you get there at the right time of day. Right. <laughs> right. Well, what we do, we go up in the morning by train, Mm-hmm. And then we take a pedicab to the one of the doors. One of my guys meets us with the credentials. We go upstairs to a green room. We have lunch, and then we we walk down to our where we have our panel. Mm-hmm. And then usually I'll stay for a little bit, but go back about seven o'clock on the train. So I get out of there. Man, it sounds like you you got it figured out. Well, I don't know if we have it figured out, but. It's called survival. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the way to do it. It is getting to be a little a little harder on uh, on the senses, on the body, right. on on the spirit. Almost, it's still still going this year. What's that? Are you going this year? I I am going to be going. I think I might only make it one or maybe two days, which is still a lot in my book. I think. Uh, but I think the days of trying to make it to, like, all four days of it, long over for me. Well, two days is plenty. Yeah, yeah. And it realistically might be one afternoon. But, uh, you know, I'm going to wait and see. Well, let's see what it, what, what it is I want to check out there. Is there anything uh, uh, that, that, like, you want to go and see at Comic-Con every time you go? Well, I don't know. I don't have one thing. You're asking yeah. the wrong person. <laughs> well, but, uh, there's a lot of things, too many. But you know what? This year I think I'm going to walk, walk it. I, I really walk it. But I think I'll try it. Well, there you go. I mean, that, especially the conditions it's in these days, that's a, that's a feather in your cap if you can walk the whole thing. Right. I, I, uh, I hope I see it there. It's uh, and I believe me, I'll have my eyes open for you until I've had enough and I've got to sneak out the back door and uh, walk across that bridge. But, I got uh, a big question for you. Shoot, is that five or we we're doing it another way? Oh yeah, no, we're we're taping this. It should uh, okay. it'll probably go out probably early next week. Okay, good. All right. Um, uh, listen, I I also well, the name of of this particular show that we're doing now it's called Saturday Morning Serial. We've been doing it a few years, me and a couple of the guys, and it's all about like the uh, the kind of pop culture that's pretty pervasive now. It's very mainstream, but we think it all started with the uh with the old Saturday morning cartoon kind of uh kind of world that right. especially we kind of grew up with. And you are no stranger. As a matter of fact, we've got our our little intro music is just uh, some very short clips of uh, old TV uh, themes that we think really contributed a lot to what we remember growing up. And my very first one was Land of the Lost. I got just a few bars of that in there. It's my tribute. So well, let's I, hear it. I, <laughs> I think all we use is in the land of the... And I think we cut it off there to make sure we don't have to pay you any royalties. Don't worry. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. And also, thank you 
for, you know, you when there was nothing but cartoons at, at a certain point on Saturday morning, and then you and your brother Sid came in and started to change, and we had live action, like, but it still felt like a cartoon. It still belonged in that Saturday morning. Well, world. we knew we couldn't change it that much. We had to keep the thing moving like a cartoon. And with the money we got to do these shows, which was a pittance, you know, we had to figure out a way to kind of make it look like a living cartoon. And we did change the face of Saturday morning. You know, up until 1969, almost all of it was was animation. And then we did the banana splits in 68. Hanna-Barbera was sorry they ever gave it to us because (laughs) because of that we wound up doing our television career. And and it all started with puppet stuff in 69. And that's and we're talking about a, a career that is still going. But, but well, we're still in the action, which is amazing. Uh, you know, we've done three series in the last three years, and we've done five pilots in the last three years. So, you know, we yeah, I think that's pretty good for an independent. Yeah. And, you know, and I think the thing that I think, I guess I'm proud of that we survived, because there are only two companies left in L.A. that have libraries that never sold out to anybody. One of them is an elephant, and one of them is a flea. Guess who the flea is? <laughs> the elephant. So, you know, we, 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 there's no reason, I guess, to sell out now. <laughs> well, give it's it time. Company, there's no loyalty, just buyers and sellers. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, very much become an industry that... Uh, I mean, even though it always was, it had an artistic backbone, and now, well, see, I, I like, I think with all this proliferation of like mini movies, people can make movies for five, ten thousand dollars with digital equipment, and then put them out like on YouTube or a thousand other places nowadays on the internet where you can put your own movie out. I feel like there's, you just don't find that artistic feeling or that that freedom of expression in the mainstream, like the movieplex. But if you look for it, there's a proliferation of it out there. Although, you know, that's still alive. Uh, the the small budget things, independent. But uh, in the mainstream, you don't have that. In the mainstream, this is what's going to happen. I predict that one day soon, a cowboy from Idaho is going to own every company in L.A. and have one tent when they have a convention. And then it's really over. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's. Uh, I predict. <laughs> like, please, please tell me we got a little more time before that. Well, you know what? I this I don't know. You know, this won't happen for the next I don't know five years. Who knows? But that's what's happening. You know, it's real simple. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about projects. They talk about you know cash. It has been. We never were into the cash. We won't be into the cash. We we put everything up on the screen. Everybody thinks that we have millions and millions of dollars, but we don't. But we're happy. We've got a good life, a good family, and uh, we still employ young people. And, uh, you know, young people is where it's at. Well, and it's just you just can't own anything anymore. 
we owned all those shows. Now you just work, you know, when we go to work, we're like an employee of a network. But if you want to stay in the business, you have to accept what's going on. As long as it, it, it only works as long as the business is still working. And I think with enough outlets for, you know, some more creativity out there, the smaller, independent, and we're talking now tiny. Some people make movies on their phone and edit them on a laptop in a week and put it out there and actually says something, has something. I I hope that there's always going to be a, a place for us fans, for the audience to find something kind of heartfelt. Right. Well, you know, that's not easy to produce something on a real low budget, I mean, or no budget, you know, but they find ways to do it. We don't know how to do that. Oh, you know, don't, they give you our, almost no money, and you, you the the especially in Puff and Stuff and Land of the Lost, you created like a new sort of style that was yeah, we did real and cartoon, which was amazing and and still used. On Puff and Stuff, they gave us 54000 an episode, but the show cost 90, let me see, 95000 an episode. So we had to go, with the networks, they have lots of other things going. With us, fortunately, we had, at the time, we were the creative heads of Six Flags, and we also had our puppet shows there. Uh, so we were getting income there, so we took that income and put it into television. Mm-hmm. But we owned everything. So now... It doesn't go like that, but that's okay. We came back 25 years later because I stopped doing kids' shows because of the ownership thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we came back, and the first show we produced was a hit, Mutton Stuff. Yeah. We did seven, yeah. 73 episodes. You know, it was as long as you have good time periods, and we were always number one. So, you know... Yeah, and there's more. You just announced like uh, a couple of uh, specials and an extended right. nuts. I mean, I, I we just I, had two I, incredible one-hour specials for mutton stuff with the dogs. It's really the thing. They look like specials. So we'll see what happens. Plus, you made five new pilots. Just what? Because your weekends were I, free. I, huh? Well, you just had too much time on your hands at this point. No, that's what they ordered. I sometimes oh. I don't mind having. A, I'm not going to do a development deal with the network, but I'll do a pilot deal because that's where you work out your problems. So, you know, the five pilots, a couple picked up, and uh, you know, so that our batting average is pretty good. Totally, we did 20 pilots in our careers. We got 18 picked up, and 17 were hits. So the batting average was better than Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, that's that's pretty damn good. Congratulations. Right. I didn't, you know, and 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 also along the way, I it sounds like you don't you don't realize it or accept it. You sound very humble, and you sound like 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 you want to go back to the times when you know when it wasn't about ownership. But I hope you can take some solace when I say you're honestly like an icon. You don't have to accept it for me to believe it. Right. I hear that a lot, except when I go home from my three daughters. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, you just didn't show them enough TV. That's what it is. Nah. Well, listen, you know that I'm the father. It ain't easy. <laughs> I got three great girls. Two of them work for us. The third one's an actress. Deanna is a great producer. 
also runs the place. And uh, Kendra, my baby, is a great makeup artist. And is it uh, so? So show business just runs in the Croft blood, huh? You couldn't get away from it if you tried. I'm guessing. Well, you know. It sounds yeah, like you did stuck. try. Once you're in it, you're stuck. <laughs> well, you know what? As fans, we're really glad because uh, you know the the amount of impact that you have had on what it is that we see today. What it, I mean, I'm not talking about medicine or politics, but there is a strong, almost in, though invisible line in culture where the ideas of acceptance and celebration are really embodied by like the Comic-Con world. And even though they are pumping out billion-dollar movies to support it, it's something everybody gets behind and people can connect on those levels. And you had no small part to do with that. So here on the show, well, we just want to say thank you. One of the good things is that you walk down the street and they can sing, you know, they can sing your theme songs, you know, adults, granddads, so they never forget our songs, just like you. Oh, yeah, that's right. And everybody listening to this right now has has had to sit through my memories of it, and uh, I, I, I wouldn't trade them for the world. They are in the land this is the first time i've ever sung on the show and i, I kind of resent you getting me to do it I'm, right well listen enough. i'll make you sing a couple others you better watch out <laughs> all right well then everybody please be there catch this panel at comic-con uh surprise well i guess not a surprise but there is an announcement of some kind which will involve all of the croft characters biggest surprise will be that I show up. <laughs> yeah. Place your bets now, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Hey, Dan, you've been great. Well, thank you very much, Marty. I really appreciate it. This really, I can't express how much this means to me. And now, now I'll just tone it back and say thank you. And I am going to be looking for you at Comic-Con next weekend. All right, great. I'll be there. All right. Enjoy the train ride. We'll see you then. Okay, thanks, Dan. Find a, from, the, from the land of freaky television. <laughs> was that a Freddy the Flutes alphabet? No, it was just uh, it was a 70s alphabets commercial that, especially if you could see it, you would know was certainly inspired ah. by the world of uh, Sid and Marty, Sid and Marty Croft. Ah, okay. uh, and that was a great interview. Really appreciated uh, him being able to talk to lowly little me. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah, and he's, yeah, I mean, you can just tell when he's talking. That's decades of experience. Yeah, and I, I actually met him at Comic-Con. And, uh, and then you got to see him in yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Actually, him? yeah. Um, we were walking down, um, kind of by Ballroom Twenty. We mm-hmm. were, there, there was some. There's some panels like behind Ballroom Twenty, and uh, it's where you did the interviews with all the with all the musicians. Wow, that's a, yeah. I left my mark there. Yeah, we were right down there, and um, there's uh, there's this tall, handsome old man with a small entourage, and I'm like, that's. I think that's Marty Croft, <laughs> half of Sid and Marty Croft. 
And uh, I was with a couple of buddies, um, and I was just like, I think that's him. And they're like, oh, really? And then, uh, you know, I go up to him. I was like, hey, Mr. Croft? He's like, oh, hello, how are you? You know, and this, oh, cool. he was just, like, so friendly and so nice. And, like, his whole entourage stopped and turned, and they were all, like, totally following his lead, you know, totally, like, we're here for you, man. Do you want to talk to this guy? You can talk to this guy, <laughs> you know. Um, and it was great. I, I, I thanked him for coming on the show. He said, oh, yeah, I, you know, I remember you guys. It was great talking to you guys, you know, and, and all that. So um, he had nice things to say about you. Of course he, he had nice things to say about the show. Why wouldn't um, he? He's a delightful man. And I didn't want to keep him much longer, but I just wanted to take the time to kind of shake yeah, his hand. Busy man, still doing stuff. Yeah, well. Now, this is after dozens of shows absolutely over his and career he's been going to comic-con consistently for the last few years he had announced the electro woman and dina girl uh that was in 2016 um and there's actually some like um there's some images of that uh if you guys google you know sid and marty croft electro woman comic-con and uh they i don't know what company did it but there was some electro woman dina girl action figures uh-huh. And uh, Tanya Tate, uh, famous ad- adult film actress. Oh, I wouldn't know her. Yeah, I'm sure you don't. Um, but there's actually, she was cos. She's a famous cosplayer. Also. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I would know her. Aside from her other such talents, mm-hmm. and um, she was dressed as Electra Woman. Mm-hmm. If I was, if I recognized the. The costume. Yeah. <laughs> and, if you got your yeah. Electra Woman and Dinah Girl yeah. straight, I'm not. I'm not 100 sure, but I'm pretty sure. And she is sitting on Marty uh, Croft's lap. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I don't. Him. I don't know if he knows who this is. I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> but she was very happy to be there, and he he seems happy anyway. But he was exceptionally happy on that picture that I saw. And so um, they had announced in 2016 the return of Electra Woman and Dinah Girl, which yeah. is now available. Um, I think it's on various platforms. You can buy it probably on your Apple uh-huh. Music. I'm sure Amazon, you can buy it. I know I read they put a DVD out of it finally from like uh, Sony, I think. So even if you do not stream, you can still buy it on a, del- a digital video disc. Yep. Pop that into your digital video disc player. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then uh, last year, they were there for the relaunch of the Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, which is an Amazon series. Yeah. Yeah. And so as, as Saturday morning TV has disappeared, uh, you can still basically kind of piece it together. Yeah, it's can, still sprouting up other places. Yeah. You know, and um, you know what I did not that long ago on a Saturday morning mm-hmm. – uh, I watched a couple of cartoons. I saw some on Netflix that I liked, and I saw some, you know, I, I just kind of piece it together, like, in various shows. And I watched, like, you know, a couple of hours worth of... Huh. You a la carte your own Saturday morning. I did. That's I, awesome. I, I programmed my own Saturday morning. What a world. What a world. <laughs> no, it was great. But, uh, you know, it sounds like to me that Sid and Marty, uh, they, you know, again, these are these were short-lived shows. Um but they left a huge impression on the world. And Sigmund, the Sigmund and the Sea Monster show, again, I think it lasted one season, maybe two, uh, is a major Amazon series. And mm-hmm. so they were there to announce that. Now, you, you guys alluded to something in the interview about a big announcement. I did not make the panel because I had some other obligations. So I got to meet him, and that was great. We got to talk to him, and that was great. But I never found out what the announcement was. Did you find out what the announcement was? I cannot. I've been looking everywhere. 
well, on the um, Internet. When I say everywhere, I'm not very savvy, <laughs> but I've checked a lot of places. You can't check everywhere on the Internet. Do you, do you at home know? Well, Tweet us. Because <laughs> this Tweet is a live show. Stay classy, SDCC, <laughs> as fast as you can. Yeah, well, look, uh, I guess it's not that important. Because what we're looking at, we're looking at when we find it, we'll, we'll let you know. We'll let you know. Uh, but look, man, this this thing is, uh, this thing is, it's bigger than us, right? This is a this is an institution, yeah. right? And it all started with the with the H uh, and R puffin stuff, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of that was his first big thing. It's still a part of. It's still in the fabric of the culture. Yep. And in fact, I think of uh, it was parodied on Mr. Show. Back in the nineties. No way. So yeah, when you when you're when you get a parody on a major sketch show, I think that means you've already put a mark in pop culture. <laughs> I think you're right. Um and just so that you guys can kinda kinda get get with the program here, I, I want you all to hear what the opening song is, what the opening credits are. Um I think it's gonna set the mood for how the rest of the show may go. Okay, here we go. This is Yeah, there's uh, H&R Puffin stuff. He can do a little when you can't do a lot. Or, he, he can do a little when you can't do enough. <laughs> well. But but if you if you could see it, and hopefully at home you can use technology and go see that, but it, it the visuals are just as trippy as the music yes. and, the, and the convoluted story it tells. Well, and you it's know, exactly uh, what you would expect. It, Big, bright colors, crazy-looking puppets and... Absolutely. Uh, I absolutely agree with that. And it actually sets the stage for what would be their kind of major plot device, I guess, which is good versus evil and stranger in a strange land. Yeah. That's, it, that's there's, basically... always the, there's always somebody going to some other land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, and that's, that's one of those archetypes, I think. But, yeah, they, they make sure they set that up no matter how, 
how many witches and strange proto mayor McCheeses are involved. <laughs> I know. A, a young boy and an anthropomorphic something end up somewhere else. Yeah, and there's a lot of singing, a lot of dancing. Uh, there's just a lot of fun, and there's there's yeah. kind of like a there's a child wonder kind of in all of their programs. Yeah, you know, um, uh, and in the Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. It's the sea monster is the one who's the stranger in a strange land. Mm -hmm. So they kind of, you even see it from the puppet's perspective that, you know, now he's the weirdo coming into it. So they were, they had a lot of fun with that, you know, with that as like their major concept. And uh, I'm a big fan of the TV opening um, credits that tell you that, that set up the whole thing for you. Yeah. Right. Because then you can just plop into whatever episode it is. You already and caught Saturday up. morning cartoons were infamous for that. Absolutely. There was very exposition-heavy theme songs. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I just think that this one is it's obviously classic. It's gonna, I, I challenge you guys to get that song out of your head for the next uh, uh, 20, hey, 30 John, minutes. Puff and stuff. stuff. He's there when times he get rough. You can do a little if you can't do enough. <laughs> See, it's it's just catchy. Uh, but yeah, so that's one of their big ones. It's 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 the thing that kind of sets the stage for them. Um, it was a part of the ABC reviews from '72 to '73. It originally aired um, September '69 to December '69. Seventeen episodes. That's it. Yeah. It's just nuts. The the well, and you heard him say in the, in the interview, like they were out of their own pocket, having to pay for about half of each yeah. episode. Yep, just to because, get it to and that they level. They wanted to own it. Mm-hmm. That was the most important thing to them. And I, you know, like to to think of, you know, uh, the the foresight that they had to 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 do that. You know, like that's just awesome. You know, they're they're rebels in a way because now they get to have all these. You know, we're going to do Electra Woman and Dinah Girl again. And in the opening title track of that show, it's a Sid and Marty Croft yep. production. And their name it, above the title, as they say. All there again. Yeah. So these guys have been a part of TV, you know, basically since it started. Yeah. And yeah. they have their own style, mm-hmm. which people can't even, like, duplicate. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, it looks to me, I, I bet, like, uh, weird foreign comp- or countries might have some kind of style similar to it, but you don't see it here much anymore. And they, they, well, he he said it in the interview that their goal was to make a living cartoon. Yeah, that's the and thing. that's what they did. It was live that. action, but it was as close to a cartoon as you can get. I think it's the most it's it's probably the most beautiful thing I've ever heard about a television show. Yep. <laughs> I really I really really love that, and I think it's it's probably why. You know, just to beat on it a little bit more, the Land of the Lost movie is a complete failure because mm. it doesn't try to make a cartoon out of you know. Yeah. Yeah. It just it totally missed. You can't. Well, I don't. Th- I don't think you could replicate the pace of that show. And he even said when we were talking to him, the goal was, you know, with live action, typically you have to slow the pace down, mm-hmm. let the actors kind of score the moments. But he said they had to do it at a cartoon pace. They had yeah. to go boom, boom, boom. The characters are in this location. Something big happens. Now they're over here in this location. Yeah. Something big is happening. You and, know. you know, and if you if you watch – and I, we encourage all of you guys to take a trip down uh, YouTube 
Watch yeah. some of these shows again. Oh, unless they're, they're the announcement we missed was uh, a new uh, DVD compilation of Sid and Marty Croft coming out. <laughs> in which case, wait for that, buy it, get some money into their pocket, and then you can watch it all. Or we'll give it away, I'm sure, at some point. Yeah. Ooh, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm getting knows? more excited about this announcement. We did. Let's but, make that announcement. Yeah, I can't. I cannot wait until we give away something that they want to give us. But they, they have not said. They have not said that they're going to give us. But this thing may not exist. I have so. no idea. We have no idea what the big announcement was. Although I'm sure, like the last couple of years has been a reboot of some kind. Uh, I'm just going to say it right now. H&R Puff and Stuff is coming back, everybody. There you go. I have no idea. Yep. HBO Sunday nights, <laughs> starting May of 2018. 2018. Yeah. 19. Let's be realistic. 2021. It's a David Chase joint, too. David Chase and Christopher Nolan (laughs) co-producing with J.J. Abrams. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. Uh, So, you know, now, I know we're getting a little silly here, and uh, we're talking about Sid and Marty Croft and about all the wackiness. Yeah. But they... They did find some time to turn the wackiness into some serious subjects. Oh, boy. Um, let's, yeah. let's slow it down here. There's a, a couple of things. Um, there was DC Follies, which was in 1987, and Pryor's Place, which was in 1984. Now, um, Pryor's Place was one that I do have some memories of yeah. watching, and that was late enough I would have been watching. Yeah, that was uh, – and that's live action. I don't remember puppets being on that, but it was kind of like uh, – a little bit of a well, it was it's, a little bit of Sesame Street because it was you know they're you know kids, inner city, uh, and it was supposedly like a, a young version of Richard Pryor and like his buddy. Yes, but it actually starred Richard Pryor. But then Richard Pryor himself was doing like bit parts. He was like he'd always come in and like like makeup or something or in a dream sequence and say, "Hey, here's." Here's the lesson you're learning this week, young well, Richie. Well, and this show starts off big. I want you to see if you can spot out who's singing their song. Okay. And I challenge Is you. Is that Sinatra? I challenge you not to sing it. My buzzer's broken. I'm trying to buzz in the answer. <laughs> Who is it? That's, that, that, my, that, my friend, is none other than Ray Parker Jr. I know that voice anywhere. That is, that is absolutely Ray Parker Jr. Uh, quite possibly the most handsome man I've ever seen on TV. He had, he had a magnetism. <laughs> he, is, he is amazing. Uh, yes, that is. And uh, Richard, Richard Pryor, again, the show did not last very long. I believe it was only, let me uh, do a little... Uh, wiki reading uh, but yeah it started off in 1984 um and it ran until oh come on wiki do not let me down um it only ran in 84 and although it had a whole lot of guest stars um let me just go through some of these guys sammy davis jr marla gibbs you guys <laughs> she's awesome uh rip taylor lily tomlin uh pat uh, Morita, Pat Morita, um, and then Robin Williams himself was actually on there as well as a sex educator. Um, 
or he no, he was on the show Sex Education. Um, and what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know that also kind of brings up this whole, you know, why it got a little serious here is that it was kind of seen as like the serious Sesame Street, you know, because yeah. it was it was it was kind of tackling some sensitive issues. The episode that I recently saw, uh, it was Richard Pryor kind of telling the story about you know his growing up now. He was holding a lot back because Richard. Yes, I've heard his uh, Richard Pryor's story. His unedited uh, story about his childhood. It's crazy, but one of the things that he that this particular episode was about was about, um, you know, abuse, you know, and about uh, uh, a, a parent, you know, hitting their kids, you know, and um, you know, I yeah, think, you get you get a real after school special vibe from yeah. that show. I don't remember it well enough to say that every episode was like that, but it sure seemed to me like it was Richard Pryor was there trying to hit you over the head with uh, moral points. Yeah, and you know... Like the whole thing was community service or something. All these celebrities were busted. They just had to... Set up an entire show for a you year. You think Marla Gibbs did something wrong? There's no way. It's possible. But yeah, it only ran for 13 episodes. I mean, guys, this is a show with Richard Pryor, uh, icon of comedy and of just of Hollywood and and, and all that stuff, um, and famously a troubled you know uh, a person. He he burned half his face off in a crazy freak drug We've accident. all been there. <laughs> But this guy was was leading a children's network, uh, a children's show. Yeah. And it's good. It's really good. Now, it's obviously dated a few years back, but it's good. It's a good program. There's good production value in this one. Now, it's like a... It's like a Mr. Rogers world. You know, you see there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of color. Yeah. Um, but the topics get real serious. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, and no tripodelic puppets or anything. Nothing it's, like that. Not, was, not that yeah. I've seen. No. Um, but there's a lot. There's a lot of guest stars. And it seems like, yeah, maybe it was something where they – maybe he did have to do this. Who knows? I, I think – you know, it could have been something that it's just something that he felt like he wanted to do. He wanted to kind of reach kids, and he kind of wanted to like kind of uh, not um, not known for doing a lot of television. So yeah, not at all. Good... I mean, well, he had a he had his own uh, talk show as well, like at night too. He had a oh really? Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, yeah. Prior, um, uh, I think that's where um, Kramer started. I think on his show. Was that Kramer? Anyway, um, yeah, yeah. Pryor had like a like a primetime show. It was like a like a variety show. But this one again, this is this is a special program. I encourage everybody to see an episode or two of this. Um, I think it's really good. It's obviously very short lived, and I don't want it to get lost in the in the pile of pop culture. I mean, this is yeah. it was a real good show. Um, and have you never learned that lying is bad? I guarantee there's an episode of Briar's Place there. that'll teach you why you're wrong. <laughs> Absolutely agree. Uh, the other one that, that kind of uh, is a interesting subject, uh, DC Follies. Have you heard of DC Follies? I remember DC Follies. It was the the Genesis or Phil Collins video well, where they were all the DC Follies puppets, right? That's really close. They, uh, it's very similar to that, but no, that was a British group that did those. Okay. Yeah. Um, I forget his name. But yeah, uh, the story behind that one is Phil Collins, they actually made a puppet of Phil Collins, and Phil Collins saw it on TV, and so he hired them to do the video, Land of Confusion, which the reason why you're thinking that is because they famously had a puppet of Ronald Reagan 
which scared me to death. As, yes, you know, uh, they're yeah. very scared. Very scared. They have like the, they, they, Are they, these the, the same style of puppets? Yeah, they're like the exaggerated latex exactly. heads with the real people's hands. They look very. They look very ugh. intimidating. Yeah, and I saw an episode of DC Follies. Um, again, I just went down the rabbit hole of these guys. Recently, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, I see that it's not as exaggerated as the Phil Collins puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, and my apology to the creators. <laughs> Phil Collins did not create those things. Uh, but no, it's it was um, what I liked the most about it was it's this premise, right? So uh, it takes place in a bar in D.C. Now this was not a Saturday morning show. This was something that was on prime time, and um, well, as far as I know, uh, and they would um, they would have guest stars come on. Um, uh, Martin Mull's been on, Robin Leach, Bob Euchre, and Betty White. And actually, Robert England showed up as Freddy Krueger once. Um, And they had a bunch of puppets coming into the bar in D.C. And the puppets were like Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, Bush, Quayle, um, Woody Allen. You know, I'm not sure why he was there. Robert Dole, Catherine Hepburn. Anyway, and on and on and on. So all the Sid and Marty Croft puppets were the famous people (laughs) and they were going into this DC bar and it was actually hosted by uh, Fred Willard. Like he was, he was the main actor. He was the bartender, you know, the Sam Malone of the place, you know, and yeah, it was a political satire and I would, my God, if there's a show and I have an announcement for you, everybody, San Diego comic-con DC follies is coming back. (laughs) Just kidding. I have no idea. Um, but I would love to see DC Follies done in today's political environment. Oh, you know, like, I think people might might not be ready for that again now. It's oh. it was easier, I think, to laugh at politicians across the aisle then. Ah, I just I'm worried society can't do it we anymore. Can not enough tradition. people would laugh. Well, maybe this is exactly what we need. Is that? But we, you're right. yeah. I'd yeah, say screw like, it. Like we we need a kind of a smooth way to get this out, right? Because some people aren't hearing the truth, right? Some people aren't kind of. They're they're a little closed off. What if we can subvert a little, little political reengineering, if you will, through puppets? Oh, puppet propaganda. <laughs> puppet yes. propaganda. I would love this. Uh, but this was again the next phase of the American future. Yes, to do this puppet propaganda. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's been done before. It worked before, and again, it barely lasted a season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> actually, this one no two seasons for this one, and it's uh, forty four episodes. So that's a big hit. That's pretty good. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of Croft hours. Madonna was on this. No, the puppet of Madonna. Um, Okay, (laughs) and so uh, this thing's big. You know, we love Fred Willard. Imagine Uh him. You know, leading a whole motley crew of puppets. Yeah, that would be sweet. So I encourage everybody to check that one out. There are shows on YouTube, Um, and I remember in the history books when I was in middle school, they had political cartoons from like. George Washington days, right? Uh, you know, like this whole idea of satire and animation goes back a long way. Ooh, oh, a yeah. A long does. way. You know? It does. Yeah. As and, long as there's been power, uh, you, you can find someone laughing at it, as it should be. God bless America. Mm-hmm. So I, I just thought that that was something really, really worth kind of, yeah. kind they, of pointing they out. They did a little bit of civic duty, I would say, with that one as well. Yeah, yeah. But now let's, let's get uh, – allow me to get selfish. Because, you know, what I got so excited about, I know we kind of touched on it a little bit, 
But the thing that I remember the most and the thing that I just absolutely adore uh, is Land of the Lost. I mean, I just, to me, there's really nothing better than that show. And, you know, when I hear that music, uh, and I could, I cannot sing the lyrics to you. I can only, <laughs> but I can hear it. I remember, I just, I remember the, you hear, the, you hear, yeah. you hear that little kind of whistle going on in the background. Uh-huh. And it's kind of like a space warpy kind of, kind of, kind of noise. And they're they're just going down the rapids, and they go into the little gap in the in the, the, the into the cave, and then they're in this whole other world. Yeah, and it's just nuts. And of course, they're a family, and they, you know, they have to stick together. Yep. And the yep. father yep. seems to be able to handle all the situations that kind of come up. He's pretty. He's a good uh, Gilligan's professor. Yeah, right, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time. Uh, it was, you know, it was easy to like play Land of the Lost, like when you're a kid, you know, because there were there were these lizard people, they were they were dinosaurs. You can mm-hmm. kind of piece it together, like in your imagination, yeah. you can. And they tell you it's all right if you use a toy plastic dinosaur. Yeah, it's a dinosaur, because that's what they did. So you had some GI Joes. You, yep. you, you You may have had some He-Man. It doesn't matter. You can kind of mix and match, and you can make your own Land of the Lost, no matter you know with anything that was that was kind of hanging around. Yeah. Yeah. So I just I really really enjoyed that show. Uh, do you have subtle amazing memories of this of the show, or are they blatant? No, I remember it belongs in my mind in a, like a subcategory of of shows. Um, I mean, like you said, like The Stranger in a Strange Land, like mm-hmm. those premises where you take a group, you put them somewhere. There was, I remember another one that wasn't Sid and Marty Croft, but a family that was like uh, on a vacation in Egypt. They were touring the Great Pyramid and they fell into a time rift. Whoa, I never heard of this. Yeah, and they all ended up like in the far future dystopian future. I forget what that one was called. Um, I think we've talked on the show before about the, uh, not the Time Bandits, what was the name? Oh, Voyagers. Voyagers, which I consider like that, like, you know, the the early Quantum Leap idea Mm -hmm. of every week you're a stranger in a strange land. Uh, well, yeah. So I remember those are great examples of it. it of uh, where the wild things are, it, stuff like that. This is a world that had uh, primate creatures, lizard men, dinosaurs, mm-hmm. and that's just what I can kind of remember. Um, I feel like there might have been like an evil wizard or witches, but that might just, I might just be thinking of puffin stuff. I don't know. It, it was all, like I said, this was all a few years before my time, so it would just mm-hmm. be randomly on, like when they would pull underperforming cartoons and have to fill in with something. You can count on getting some land on the lost for that month. Yeah, and and this is one of their. This probably is their biggest hit. It was three seasons and forty three episodes. Um, I think it is what they're most known for. I would I would say so. And then one will or their Saturday morning phase anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say the Donnie and Marie are the was probably pretty big for them too. That's pretty, I mean, yeah. and they also I know they did, they did the, like uh, the Mandrell uh, sisters, the Brady the, Bunch uh, happy hour thing. The, yeah, the, the 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 Brady Bunch musical thing. Yeah, and they yeah. did. Yeah, so they they moved on. They were doing primetime mm-hmm. a little later. Their the Saturday morning heyday was before me, but there was enough left over for syndication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they have a couple of connections to Star Trek. Uh, one of them is uh, the same guy that did the Slee Stacks. Uh, also did the Trouble with Trebles. The well, Trouble with Trebles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did the little creatures of he the Trebles. Yeah, yeah. He actually did those. And then uh, Walter Koenig wrote 
one of the big episodes which introduced the Sleep Stacks. Oh. So, friend of the show, Walter there Koenig, you go. Uh, got he he you heard it he here. got his writing on on that one too. So that's right. One of the episodes of Land of the Lost was written by Chekhov. Absolutely. We'll put that in print. <laughs> it's big, guys. So, uh, it was such an honor to be able to talk to him. Uh, Land of the Lost is, you know, it's. It is the most important live-action Saturday morning show in my life. Uh, Saved by the Bell is the only second. Well, okay. Well, I'm glad you at least acknowledged it. Yeah, but, I mean, it was it. That was a, that it was was a big huge. one. Uh, well, there you go. I mean, I, I don't think that if Marky tried, he could say it uh, with any more love or passion or enthusiasm. So it seems to me like that's about as good enough a place to end this here. Yeah. Uh, as we go, you do know, you heard that uh, we were given permission Mm-hmm. offhandedly by Marty Croft to use whatever music we want. So uh, as we leave you today, I present uh, a 48-minute supercut of the Land of the Lost themes. And that's enough of this. Goodbye, everybody. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this.